Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. And then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me, from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. And that's where we're going to stop reading right there. And, uh, we've used this text before. I'm not sure if we've ever used it here or not. But Satan always fights me when I, when I use a text that I've preached from before. But I want to go to verse 3. It says, I cannot dig. And that's, that's our thought. Dig. And uh, been working some, helping my son this week, and he wanted to put a new, some new flooring down. And we did... Uh, laid ceramic tile and let that dry and went back and grouted and went back today and put down the baseboard but had I not been willing to do anything or had he not been willing to do anything nothing would have ever got done and I'm afraid we've got folks in this day and age and I know that's the that's the point of contention a lot of people have with Baptists. They say, we believe you can make a trip to the altar and you're all right. Well, you're, I believe when the Lord saves you, he saves you to do something. He might not save you to sing. He might not give you the gift to sing. He might not save you to, to preach or save you to, to teach Sunday school or anything like that or but I believe every child of God has a job to do. And sometimes we just have to dig till we can get to it. Sometimes we have to get right where the Lord can use us before he'll show us what he needs us to do. And sometimes we have to dig and get things out of the way before we can do that. So here's a steward that had been blessed. And the steward is a representative. We're all stewards. We're all stewards of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. This man had been blessed. He had, he had been put in a position to help people, but he had abused his position. And he had taken advantage of his position, and he had, I'm sure, maybe cheated people out of what they deserved and things of this nature. And there came a point where he had to answer. Friend, there'll come a point where you and I will have to answer. Amen. And uh, I know, and I've heard it preached about the white throne judgment, and we can read about it over in Revelation, but we forget. The Bible also says judgment begins at the house of God. People think they're going to wait 
until this life is over and then stand with their knees knocking and wondering whether or not they're going to make it. I got a salvation, I'm sure of it. It's sealed to the day of redemption. Now that don't mean I've not failed. That don't mean that I haven't sinned. We're all human and we all come short of the glory of God. And when we do, we don't need to be like this man. We need to be willing to dig till we can get right down there where the Lord wants us and say, here I am, Lord, forgive me. Help me to get in the center of your will. So here's one example of a man who was too proud. Pride got the best of him. It gets the best of a lot of us. Did you know that? Pride keeps us from saying I'm sorry. Pride keeps us. And I guess I preached here been a service or two ago about a spot on the altar and we will claim the spot gladly of where the Lord saved our souls. But how few times do we really go back there? How few times do we go back to that same spot? Or do we go to a place on the altar? And that's why we get the reputation that we have for just making a trip to the altar and everything being all right is because we so seldom go. We so seldom go to the altar and make a petition to the Lord. If we trusted Him to save our soul, is there anything He can't get us out of? Is there anything that He can't forgive us from? Now, this man was too proud to do what he needed to do. He said he couldn't dig. He couldn't humble himself. He couldn't get down where he, where, that he could get to the place that he could get forgiveness so he made his own way. You can go and read it about what he did, how that he forgave men their debt and things of that nature. But if he had done what he really should have done, he would have dug. He would have got down and got everything out of the way and got down in the center of his heart where he knew it was just him and the Lord and asked the Lord to forgive him. That's where we need to be. We've let pride eat us up. We've let pride keep us from doing the things that we know are right. Now, now listen, the Bible says when a man knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's the things that we've left undone that keeps us from being all we can be for the Lord. Now you pray for a few minutes. I read about a man one time over in the book of Joshua and the Lord had truly blessed him and his people. We read in chapter 6 how that they, that they crossed over Jordan and they went to, to Jericho and people despised them and I'm sure they spit down off the wall and they throwed things at them and things of that nature. The Lord never told us it'd be a bed of roses. Did you know that? The Lord never said, and I've had a hard day or two this week, things not exactly go the way I thought that they might go, things that I heard that just broke my heart, but I'm here to tell you today, I'm going to march on. Amen. I'm going to march on. I've got a place I'm going to, and I'm going to get there by the grace of God one day after a while. So the children of Israel marched on. You know the story of the children of Israel and Jericho and how they marched around the walls seven times. And they blew the trumpet. And when they heard the trumpet sound, they shouted a great shout and the walls fell and victory came to God's children and they went in. And the only provision, <coughs> the only thing that they were told was not to take of the accursed thing. 
And all that was in the city of Jericho, they were to give to the Lord. That's what we're supposed to do in life. Did you know that? All that we have. Now listen, I don't think the Lord expects us to bring the deed to our house and throw it in the offering plate. I don't think the Lord expects us to bring our paycheck and put it all right in the offering plate. I don't think the Lord expects us to bring the title to our car and put it in the offering plate. But I tell you what He does expect. He said to love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Money is irrelevant. And I believe if you call Dutch Bottoms your home, you'll want to contribute. You'll want to, you'll want to help pay the light bill. You'll want to keep the doors open and things of that nature. But it's much more important to put all that you are before the Lord and say, use me to help with somebody. And I know we... The Bible teaches tithing. It teaches 10%. But that's not good enough. The Lord wants all that you are. All that you are. You know what we do? And I've done it. I give him the leftovers. Give him what time I got left in the day instead of making time for him special. Have you ever done that? That's how you get caught in trouble. You get buried and you have to dig your way out. Dig. The children of Israel entered into Jericho, a great victory for God's people. And one of the men of Israel saw a goodly Babylonian garment. He saw a wedge of silver and a wedge of gold. And he took those, didn't he? And he took. Joshua had no idea. Achan's dad, his grandpa, had no idea. I see you here. You see me here. And once we walk out that door, we have no idea what goes on in each other's lives. But there is a God who knows. He knows exactly what we've got buried. He knows exactly what's in our heart, the thoughts that run through our mind. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Thus saith the Lord. He even knows the number of hair that's on our head. He knows the, the cubits of our stature. I'm here to tell you today, we can't keep nothing hid. He knows. And he knew about Achan. Had he no preacher. Achan thought he had it hid, didn't he? He went to his tent. He dug a hole. And he hid that sin. He hid that garment. He hid that gold. He hid that silver in a hole. He buried it, covered it up, and probably laid right on top of it. I don't know. And thought everything was going to be all right. Nobody knows my sin. I've got it hid. Let me tell you something, friend. God will put you in a position where you'll wish you'd dug it up. He'll put you in a place where you wish you had a shovel, you had a backhoe, you had whatever piece of equipment that you needed to dig as deep as you could dig to get to that sin and get it out of your life. He'll cause regret to fall on you till you'll wish you'd have never laid hands and you'll 
generation had ever, your eyes had ever seen that sin that you've got hidden way down on the inside. Where did Achan hide that stuff? He hid it, hid it in the earth, didn't he? Now let's go back to the book of Genesis for a few minutes. To the, the Genesis chapter 2, it said God took a handful of dust and made it in his image and in his likeness, and he breathed into man's nostrils, and man became a living soul. So in other words, Achan hid his sin in the dust. I don't have anything buried in a hole over at 3020 Oliver Street, but there's things that I've hidden down in here before that I've had to come out with, that I've had to dig up and say, God, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? That's the only path we have to redemption. To carry it on is heartache. To carry it on is destruction. And the only path that we've got to blessings is to ask the Lord to forgive us and repent. We've got to dig. We've got to lay down our pride and pick up that shovel and dig that stuff out. Achan thought he was all right. He thought he had it hid. He thought all was well. And so they sent men up to spy out the country of Ai. They were going to go to battle with them, and they were just a small country. Wasn't many down there. And so the men said, just send two or three thousand. There's no use in us all going. And they did. And when the battle took place, the little old company from Ai sent Israel running. The little company from Ai, and can't you imagine, there's Joshua on the battlefield. He prayed, he begged God for victory. He'd put his all into it. And maybe just right beside him or a few steps behind, there was the man Achan, knowing what he had buried. And as they began to fight, his brother fell. And they began to retreat, his uncle fell. Now, this is just pure conjecture on my part, but I can read to you where there was 36 souls lost their lives in that battle because Achan was too stubborn to dig up his sin. It cost men their lives. It cost children. I preached to you just the other day. And we probably got more than that at Dutch Bottoms on any given Sunday. Lost and undone without God. If Achan's Babylonian garbage, if Achan's silver and wedge of gold that he had hid cost me in 36 lives, imagine what would happen if we would dig up ours and give it to the Lord and say, forgive me, while we may have a whole altar full of sinners. We need to dig. Achan saw his brother's fall and lose their lives don't you tell me you ever been there you ever been in a good we had a good service Sunday night spirit filled tears flowing 
people shouting, testimonies, praising the Lord. I've been in those before, except I couldn't feel a thing. Have you been there? Been in those before, could not feel a lick of spirit nowhere. And you know why? Because I hadn't dug out my hidden sin. I hadn't humbled myself and asked the Lord to forgive me. To get where we need to be, to have revival at Dutch Bottoms, we're going to have to dig. It's that simple. Achan watched his brothers die. Who knows? And the five sinners that we had here Sunday, I didn't see them come to the altar, did you? I tell you what I did see. I saw them walk out the door. Who knows if that was because we refused to dig. We've got to get where the Lord would have us to be because who knows? It might be Miss Greg that has the key to some sinner. Well, she's not a preacher. She's not the, the, she don't direct the service. She's not the Sunday school superintendent. You don't have to be. I appreciate this couple right here. They've been friends with me all my life. And I distinctly remember a service that we were in together and their daughter sat right there. The preacher, didn't. she was lost. The preacher did not come back and shake her hand. The evangelist did not go to her and try to talk her into salvation. Thank God he didn't. I prayed for her, but the Lord didn't give me a thing to say to her. But there's a little lady that I had never heard sing a song in my life. Never heard her raise it. She was always real soft-spoken. Just polite as she could be. The service had been up and down and up and down. And it got quiet. And the evangelist said, what are we going to do now? And it was quiet for just 10 or 15 seconds. And this little lady that was right where Miss Greg is, laid her hand on Emily's shoulder and began to sing a song. I'd never heard her sing a song in all my life. Been to church with her for 40 years. She began to sing a song, and before she got to the end of the chorus, the little girl was on the altar. You know why that happened? Because that woman had dug. That woman was right where the Lord wanted her to be. She didn't let fear overcome her. She didn't let Satan tell her what will they think if you sing a song. She just obeyed the Lord and the Lord saved. I'm here to tell you today, if we're willing to dig, if we're willing to crawl, if we're willing to get one, now listen, I mentioned a shovel, I mentioned a backhoe, if you don't have any of them, and you're desperate, how are you going to dig? You're going to get down on your hands and knees, and you're going to start with your hands, and you're going to pull, and you're going to claw, and you're going to do the best you can do if you're in a desperate situation. I'd about say... We're desperate because we need to see sinners saved.
What's that? I cannot dig. To beg. I am ashamed. Oh, young man, can't you see the desperate times that we're living in? Let me, I'll just tell you where we're at. This is what the New Testament says. Men will believe a lie and they'll be damned before they'll believe the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That we would lay down our pride and dig. 36 of Achan's brothers lost their lives because he was too proud to dig. Somebody's salvation is on the line at Dutch Bottoms. What are we going to do? Preacher, you just said you had a turn down time Sunday night. I know, but did we see anybody saved? I want to see somebody saved, don't you? We've started. There's a little indentation in the ground, but we've got a much greater hole to dig if we need to be what we're going to be to see souls saved. I don't read where Achan went back to his tent Doug got stuff up and said, here, I've got to get rid of this. I don't want to see another life lost. I do read where Joshua, who had given his all to the battle, was disturbed because Israel had turned their back and run against the enemy. Do you know we've got churches right here in Cock County that's turned their back and run against the enemy? I know we're living in a day where we've got this virus. I know we're living in a day where the people are scared to congregate. I'm here to tell you today the gospel still has to go out. I'm here to tell you today if there was ever a time to be a church of the living God, it's now. It's not in the walls anyway. It's here. It's there. It's there. It's there. We are the church. We've got folks that are content. And I have been there. Have you? Content to be in the state that they're in. They're going through life. Like this. They don't want to know. They don't want to see. They don't want to realize what they're missing. My kinfolk and your kinfolk. All that it would take is just a little digging to get right down to where they need to be so God could bless them again. Joshua went before the Lord. And he said, Lord, what are the people in this land going to say when Israel turns their back and lets the enemy win? You know what God had to say? You know what we say? Oh, it's all right. You know what we say? It's just a little thing. What did I preach to you Sunday? A little leaven leaveneth the whole world. 
This is what God told Joshua. He said, you need to get rid of the accursed thing. You know what else he told him? He said, I will be with you no more. Don't count on my protection. Don't count on one more victory. Don't count on any grace or mercy anymore until you get rid of the accursed thing. You know what we want to do? We want to cruise by all our brothers and sisters' blessings. Wouldn't you like to truly be blessed? Wouldn't you like for God to use you? You say you love Dutch bottoms. I say I love Dutch bottoms. Wouldn't we like to be the source of a blessing occasionally? Wouldn't you like for your cup to run over and fill your brothers or sisters? The only way we can get to that is if we dig and get where the Lord can use us again. Preacher, I wouldn't preach that. I want to have revival. And the Lord's helping me. All right. The Lord told Joshua to bring them down tribe by tribe, family by family, man by man. So that's exactly what he did. And when he got down to Achan's family, he called Achan. He said, Tell us. Achan said, thus and thus have I done. At least he was willing to acknowledge his sin. I've seen people not even willing to go that far. Thus and thus have I done. And when I saw the Babylonian garment, the wedge of gold and of silver, I took it down, and it's hid down there in the earth in my tent. Do you know what? He didn't go dig it up, did he? He didn't go dig it up. They sent men down there. He acknowledged it, but he wouldn't remorseful. He wouldn't repent. I believe the Bible says that the Lord is nigh them that are of a broken heart. Now I wonder. This is the way the Lord's told me to do this, and that's just exactly how I'm going to do it. I know we don't have maybe 25 people here, but this is the way that the Lord told me to do this. They went down there, they dug up the garment, the gold, and the silver, and they called all Israel in, and there stands Achan. He's going to get just deserves, isn't he, preacher? He's going to get what he deserves for hiding his sin. He's going to get what he deserves for not being willing to dig that out. Let's go a little farther. There stands Achan. You want to know who else stands by Achan? There stands his wife. Marquita, you Kaylee, you care to come right up here for just a minute? Ethan, you care to come up here for just a minute? Lainey, you care to come up here for just a minute? Not only did Aiken get what he deserved, 
How do you think he felt when them stones struck his wife? How do you think he felt when the stones they threw struck his children? And he saw the swelling begin to start up, eyes blackened, bruised and battered. That wasn't the worst part. Uh-uh. That wasn't all there was because Achan was too proud to dig. Because Achan was too proud to dig and get that sin out of his life because he refused to dig way down deep and come to Joshua and say, I saw where those men died. I don't ever want to see another one die. Here's what I've done and I'm guilty and I beg your forgiveness. I can never did that. And it cost him a great price. It had only cost him his life. It cost him his wife. It cost him his children. They didn't only stone them. You know what they did after they stoned them? They set them afire. They burned. Wonder what Aiken felt when he heard his children screaming and crying because the fire was burning them. I'd say that was a man. He may not have had remorse. He may not have had regret. Whatever that he had hit that stuff, whatever he had taken. He may not have had a second thought when he buried it. You know, he must have had something going on or he wouldn't have buried it and been ashamed of what he did. But more than that, when he lost that family, he lost everything they had, the tent, the possessions, and most of all, his precious family. Let me tell you something. No man lived to himself and no man died to himself. We read in God's Word where he said that God would visit the sins of the father to the children to the third and the fourth generation. What I do right now may affect that grandchild I've got on the way. God help me to be willing to dig. You don't love anybody more than you love your family, do you? Why, right here, Beck and Keith would do anything for this child. Marquis to do anything for this child. Ronnie, Granny, Faye, Dawn, they'd do anything for this child. What about those five? Are we willing to do something for them? Preacher, I don't like how this makes me feel. Good. Because if we get uncomfortable, we'll begin to seek and search and dig until we get out what we need to get out so that we can be in the center of God's will. I don't want to wait. Y'all can sit down if you want to. I don't want to wait until the preachers get here to start the revival. I thought we made a little step Sunday night. I was really proud of Dutch Bob's. But I don't want to wait. I'd matter of fact, I'd like to tell the preachers when they get here on April the 25th at 6 o'clock, we had one saved. We had two saved. I'd like for us to have dug everything out that we need to dig out so that we could be in a riddle of a revival when the preachers get here. 
Now, I have mentioned, and there's probably more sinners than this at Dutch Bottoms. I have seen one of these stand and cry. Tears just run. And folks go to her, and she never made a move. We're going to have to have more than what we've got to win that center. We're going to have to get everything out of the way. Because it might be you that has the key. Might be you. Well, preacher, I'm all right, are you? Then don't ask me. Like I said, I see you here. You see me here. And then we walk out the door. I don't know. I'm hoping you pray and I'm hoping you read your Bible. And I'm, I'm sure I, that you hope I am. But I can tell you this, Satan will throw up anything he can. I pulled out on the highway. And apparently the person come up from behind me, coming to church tonight, thought that I should have waited. And he passed me and he gave me an unfriendly wave. There you go, Satan. Friend, Satan will do anything to plant a little evil down here on the inside. It's not always anger. It could be greed. It could be lust. It could be lots of things. But if we let that sit, if we water that, now you've heard me preach on salvation and the seeds and the seed sower sin works the same way the more you tend to it the bigger it's going to grow until it's such a stumbling block you think you'll never be able to get back to the power of God again <clears throat> it's spring and I'm about done it's spring, and you know what's going to come up in my yard, and most likely yours, unless you're just a professional landscaper. There'll be one of them great big sticker bushes pop up somewhere in my yard. Or if you don't want one of those, you'll probably have some dandelions. You can mow all you want to. Rain is still going to fall. The sun is still going to shine. You can mow them once. You can mow them twice. You can mow them three, four, five times. And guess what? They're still going to be there. You know the only way to get rid of them? Especially the most sticker bushes. You got to dig them out. It's not. Not something you want to do. It's not something you volunteer for, but in order to get rid of it, that's what's got to happen. In order to get rid of that stuff we've got here in the earth, there's only one way to do that, and that's to dig. We've got to dig it up. We've got to drop our pride. 
We've got to humble our heart and we've got to take a, take a look at ourselves. I love Ronnie, but he can't fix me. He loves me, but I can't fix him. You know what the Bible says? Let every man work out his own salvation with fear and much trembling. When you get saved, the job is not done. You have to stay right if you're going to help somebody. You have to stay in the center of God's will. It's wonderful to be saved, ain't it? But let me tell you what's better than being saved. Being saved and taking somebody else with you to heaven. There's only one way that happens is if we get rid of that stuff that we've got buried in here that keeps us from doing God's will. That keeps us from being where he would have us to be. I've heard a preacher. I was in service one time. He said, raise your hand if you're perfect. You know what my Bible says? All have sinned and come short. You know what else it says? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This never will be perfect. God did not save this. He did not save what's in between here. He saves the soul. And he seals it until the day of redemption. You will not see this when you get to glory. It'll be the soul that makes it there. What I am on the inside, that inner man is what's going to make it. That's the only good thing about me anyway. I want to have revival, don't you? I want to see our, our sinners saved. God has blessed us. We've got to see one saved here a few months ago. And I, I can't guarantee you, if God has his way, We'll see one saved in a revival. I can't guarantee that. But I do know this. We've got Bible school coming up just a couple of months later. I've been here seven years. We've never had a Bible school that we didn't see somebody saved. We'll have kids come here that has never walked through the door before. Don't know the first thing about Jesus. I don't want anything that I've done. I don't want anything that I've not done to keep me from having enough spirit to tell them how good God is and what he can do for them. Mm -hmm. And if we let that reign over us, we have failed. <clears throat> oh, if Achan would have dropped his pride and been willing to dig. Now you think about Achan. What we've got hid is costing us too. What we've got hid, what we've condoned as a country is the reason we're in the shape we're in right now. We have said anything and everything's all right even if it was contradictory to God's word. And that's why we're in the mess we're in right now. It's not going to be Democrats. It's not going to be Republicans. It's going to bring us back. It's going to be the good old church of God and on their knees crying and begging for God to forgive us as a nation. We'll have to dig. Are you willing? Or are you, unlike, are you like the unjust steward? Just couldn't do it. 
He couldn't beg. You may have to beg to get God to forgive you. You may have to beg to get God to help you get that thing. It might not be that you... Now listen, let us lay aside every weight and sin. You may have been doing your very best to get to God, but you've had so much laid on you. You've had so much. Could have been sickness, could have been on the job. It might have been a combination of things. And if we're not very careful, we'll let those things take priority over our relationship with the Lord. Now, I mentioned the seed sower a minute ago. You remember the stony ground? Remember that part of the parable? Stony ground don't have to remain that way. Did you know if you work hard enough and you work long enough, you can work all the stones up out of that ground? And then you can plant a good crop and have a good, have a new, new life sprung forth. This has got awful stony sometimes. How about yours? But the only way I can get rid of that is to be willing to dig and ask the Lord to help me and get rid of that. Let's, let's dig. Let's see if we can have a revival that people all over Cock County talks about. <clears throat> and I've, I told Juanita not to put it in the paper. I don't plan on putting it on our Facebook page because I want Dutch Bottoms to have the revival. We could have, I can invite good singers, I usually do. We could have a wonderful service, but you know where those singers will go? They'll go back to their church. And, and I, I love them. But if we're going to be revived, it needs to be us. Let's be willing to dig. Amen.